Hi, I'm Adam Beaumont, founder and director of With Purpose Consulting. Come to you from Melbourne. I'm a strategist, facilitator and regulatory consultant who works with executives, leadership teams and boards to be more effective, more successful and achieve better outcomes for them and their organisations. I want to welcome you to my podcast where we have insightful discussions with prominent experts in the area of strategy, leadership, operation and tactical planning and regulation. There are different schools of thought when it comes to strategy. Some see strategy as simply planning, defining the outcomes you want and mindful of the organization's capabilities and culture, charting a course for how you're going to get there. Others see it as positioning, um, how you're going to compete or sidestep your competition or align your efforts to seize opportunity. And there are those who see it as linked to your why, you know, tied to this idea that people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. So in this podcast, we want to talk about setting strategy in organizations with complex governance, and we want to explore the challenge of setting future direction when the expectation on your organization is incredibly broad and not narrow. So to help us in this conversation, I'm joined by Kelly O'Shaughnessy. Kel's the CEO of the Australian Conservation Foundation. She's a highly respected executive with a career-spanning business and government and the not-for-profit sector. She's a former CEO of Environment Victoria, was a senior exec in state government, has worked in water and waste management and pollution control. There's a very long list here. Kel's uniquely placed to talk about the challenges of developing strategy and not-for-profit in government, where community and business and government interests sometimes can be really broad and occasionally um, not complimentary. Kel, thanks for speaking with me. Oh, you're welcome. What an intro. Yeah, I know. It sounds, <laughs> it sounds more professional than it actually is. <laughs> Yeah, and the uh, yeah the task at hand is yeah. big sometimes when you stand back and have a look at it, but you know you chunk it down every day and you get through it. So it's well, okay. yeah, and I guess this is kind of the first question, like because because this idea of strategy, like a big component of strategy, is vision. So for you, what is a vision in a strategy, and how important is it? Well, I think your vision of your organisation is probably your most important thing. So, you know, we've got mission, vision or purpose and change strategies and theories and goals and all these sorts of things, and they're all important. But I think your vision is probably the most important thing because not a, it, because it sort of does two things. It One provides direction. It's your North Star and or Southern Cross if you're an Aussie, um, and I like to use the Southern Cross <laughs> analogy at ACF. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. Anything you do will get you there if you don't know where you're going. So yeah. you need to know where you're going, and that needs to be as far off as, you know, possible really, I think. Um, and so, for example, at ACF, our vision is ridiculously um, big, which is a world where wildlife and people and our rivers and trees and forests thrive and, and live in harmony together. It's not actually impossible. It seems a long way from where we are because I think today it's much more about conflict and exploiting and using and dominating nature, whereas, and jobs versus the environment, which is, you know, just never been accurate. Well, and you kind um, of you kind of want a vision that's compelling too, a little bit aspirational, exactly. like somewhere oh, yeah. there's a balance there, though, isn't there, between being yeah. So you break it down. So I think your your vision gives you that big direction, and then what we have done at ACF is we break it down then into goal areas, and um, those goals are much more tangible. So we would have goals over one, three, and ten years. Yeah. And those goals might be around what we want for nature and, cl and climate. That's two areas. But ACF also works on 
changing how our economy works so that it's a force for good for nature and climate, um, not a force of destruction, and also strengthening our democracy because, um, you know, nature is something that we all contribute to and can help protect and, and can also all be part of its demise if we don't do things differently. So it is going to take a strong democracy. So I think you can break it. You have the aspiration, you have the direction, you break it down with the goals. <clears throat> but the reason why you need the aspiration and direction is the second thing for me about why vision is so important. And that's because it gives you purpose. It gives your yeah. organisation purpose. It gives people something every single day to wake up to you know we're locked down here so every day is kind of like the same and for me you know I stare out at the the river um Yarra River there or the the trees on the other side of the river and I I remember that's the thing that I'm trying to protect so that's the purpose and that's what binds us all together and yeah, it's, it forms the team well, and something really tangible about having a vision that actually connects to something you can see because, you know, yeah. I see yeah. these really lofty visions and I'm like, how are you ever going to measure that you got anywhere <laughs> near that? Whereas if you can see the thing, that's yeah. a pretty good, good start. So, you know, setting a vision is tricky because you're trying to narrow the field a bit. Um, how much harder is it to do that in an organisation is in, that is complex? And when I say complex, um, can you talk a bit about, you know, what makes an organisation complex from a governance standpoint? Yeah, so I think uh, God, we have, we have a complex governance at ACF because we have uh, a membership and a supporter base uh, and a donor base for starters. So our base is sort of three coming from three different areas and it's large and growing massively. And then that base sort of forms an Alexa council of um, 20 odd people and then that council elects the board and then the board operates like any other board. But you do have a lot of people um, who, ha who have an important view about what your organisation should do. And the complexity actually comes from every one of those people is different. Boards, we have 11 people on our board. That's not a, an entity, that's 11 different people with 11 different views sometimes on on what your strategy or vision should be. So the complexity, I think, comes from we are all individuals and different. And um, no matter how you group us, that individuality is always going to be there. And I think it's ever more complex in a really, in a change-making organisation mm. like ACF, an advocacy organisation. Um, you know, advocacy is about changing what is to what should be. And where the complexity comes is we might all... Um, share a vision and we might all share those goals but sometimes we have different views about how we should achieve them and so at ACF we also have a change strategy and we actually have a strategy on a page at ACF it's on every single wall when we had walls back in the olden days so everyone can sort of um, tell you what our our purpose and goals are, our, which is on one side of our strategy on a page, and on the other side is our, uh, sorry, our vision and goals, and on the other side is our purpose and our change strategy, how we create change. And that's important to write down because that's the areas you build capability around. Um, and so that can help cut through the complexity if you have that level of clarity. But, of course, to, to get everyone on the same page, um, you need to do a lot of work. And I think you need to yeah. involve everyone. You, no leader can come in and just write something down or say something and, um, you know, that's your strategy. Um, you actually have to engage people, 
um, listen to them because they'll have bloody good ideas uh, and develop that together. Um, and that's what we've and in that diversity, like, you, you know, you, you mentioned the, the idea that, you know, particularly with boards, because they're not an entity and having reported mm-hmm. to a board um, as a not-for-profit as well, when I was CEO of an organisation, like I found the board, that diversity created a real mix of views and that mix of views created a compelling picture of what the future would look like from quite different angles and different dimensions. It also created a challenge to consolidate that future into a single narrative that made sense that you could communicate. Um, We managed to do that and that was quite um, an enlightened process for me to be involved with. But how do you balance up the competing views and competing interests of what your organisation will do from its members or from the stakeholders or from the businesses you interact with with the internal picture of what you think is achievable? Like how do you balance up these two extremes? Yeah, well, I think um, one is you, you. the first part is what we just talked about. So you bring people through the process together and you develop it together as, as much as you can depending on the size of your organisation. But no matter how big or, or small your organisation is, there's always ways that you can use to make sure everyone can have a, a go and, and say in the, in the vision and the strategy of your organisation. So you need to do that because by doing that, you're helping people understand they're coming to their own conclusion that we have to choose what we yeah. work on if we try and do 8 billion things. And as the National Environment Organization, we are under a ton of pressure to do and fix the 8 billion problems to yeah. do with <laughs> nature and climate. <laughs> um, and we have to choose because we will be highly unsuccessful if we take on too much. And actually, over the last few years, we've narrowed, 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 narrowed. So you people have to be involved in those choices of narrowing. Otherwise, you're never going to to get that sort of harmony. Um, and then I think you have to, um, through doing that process, I think helping people understand what it looks like if you don't do that. So how what impact could we have on something we hold very dear to us if we are trying to do, uh, you know, 10 other things mm. at ACF? Um, so, you know, the... The art of getting people to get to a conclusion is by looking at all of the sides and all of the information and then choosing the best pathway forward, not sort of, you know, telling people this is it. For sure. And it's interesting because I think think some people form the view, you know, strategy as a planning concept. They go, well, we should just do this efficiently and having to have this, you know, diverge and then converge conversation takes too long and then we're not adaptive. Whereas what I'm hearing from you is there's a lot of strength in that diversity. There's a lot of strength in the plurality of views to nail down a vision that's compelling. Like how, what's the trade-off between efficiency and diversity? Yeah, great question. I really love diversity and because it makes for better decisions and makes for better organisations. So, and, you know, there's other reasons why it's really important. But for me, if you just put your good old CEO hat on, you should encourage diversity in all its forms because it will make for a better organisation. Now, it's harder. It's more Mm. challenging. And it's going to be... Uh, maybe it's less efficient to start with as you're figuring out, but I think the effectiveness and the impact is possibly greater. So I'm, we often think about impact at ACF rather than just efficiency or efficiency and effectiveness together Um, because I think you can trade one off um, and get greater efficiency, but you're, you're actually not getting the impact down the road 
from the reason why you just decided to invest in diversity in the first place. So um, I, I, I think if you, if you tackle problems really at the start of the problem, so say you've got a board, lots of different views on what your goal should be or your strategy should be, then tackle that early because mm-hmm. yep. trying to not do it early is, is not going to be efficient. So I think that efficiency you get the impact and effectiveness sooner if you really tackle whatever the issue around diversity is um, or whatever that diversity is pushing up. But you can, I have seen many times with our board at ACF, just walking out of that board meeting going, oh, geez, that was really good. Like they really, that was a brilliant, God, brilliant um, thought from that person there. Um, and so sometimes you also just have to take um, the challenges with the great gifts that things offer. Yeah. Like this, the world yeah. is imperfect. Yeah. And I'm a bit of a believer in your great strengths have weaknesses. But if you try and round off those weaknesses, you are going to lose your great strengths. So grab hold of them, you know, grab hold yeah. of those strengths and lean into those. <laughs> and the weakness, yeah, weaknesses are that, look, reduce them as much as you can, but, you know, they're the opposite of that and you, you, they're just there. Yeah. They're okay. I, I would agree. I think you focus on your strengths. And it's interesting, yeah. I, had this, I remember having this amazing insight with the board I was reporting to where I realised that they weren't a group of individuals. Um, they were a team and I needed to think about them like a team. Um, and so I started investing a lot more in, in them as people, as a collective, and the change was quite significant. So, so yeah, I really resonate with what you're saying. I think vision is incredibly important. That diversity of view is important to help narrow down a compelling vision. And I think sometimes it doesn't matter how complex the governance is if you've got good structures to support here and consolidate those views. How does that look different in government? So, you know, you've been involved in setting government strategy, you know, like water planning for, you know, a 50-year mm. time horizon. So, so what, what's the difference in government to, as to NGOs around strategy setting? Well, I think um, government, well, I think, I don't know whether government has very good strategy anymore. Let's let me be honest. I, I, um, I think it's become so politicised, certainly in the area that I work in, in environment and climate. I mean, we all can see that a million miles away. And it's become so politicised that it's much more of the, about the day or winning the battle Mm. of the day or the sitting um, and it's it's much more about parliament than it is about strategy in departments or statutory authorities that said having <clears throat> worked with you well I'm not sure we ever crossed over actually at EPA but both having worked at EPA I, I do see that there is clear strategy and strong governance in um, in government bodies yeah. and some government bodies are doing some of the most innovative work. So I've worked in the water industry, as you pointed out, and I'm really, I just think, still think that is such an innovative industry. Some of them in particular just are, look, are leading the world in, Australia is a world leader in, in many elements of sort of urban water and even rural water management. Um, so I think government's not one whole thing. Yeah, for sure. But if yeah. you yeah. had to... Um, put it down to something I think it's harder to set strategy in government because ultimately it's if it's important enough it's going to be set by the politicians so the things I worked on um, the 50-year water planning 
there was a really great pol politician that we were working to. John Thwaites was the deputy premier and the water minister, and he he loved it when you would go in there and say, "Oh, what about this?" or you know, got a thought, or you know, he's really quite open and and really long had a long view. Um, and I think that those sorts of ministers or departmental heads make the best strategies because they've got the long view, um, which of course is mostly what your strategy is, and then. Um, you need the agility in how you meet, how you mm. deliver it. You need to keep moving and be agile. And I suppose most people would look at um, government and say probably very the least agile entity, you know, of business, non-profits and government. Maybe you would think that. But, again, I don't think that's consistent. Um, so I think, it's, I think it's probably easier to set strategy now that I'm in the non-profit world um, because, um, because I, I, you know, I don't have to worry about the politics. Yeah. Um, I said it, yeah, based on other parameters. This is Adam Beaumont and you're listening to Conversations with Purpose. My guest today is Kelo Shanassi, CEO of Australian Conservation Foundation. And we're talking about building strategy in organisations with complex governance. So that, that idea of complex like effectively, you know, th reflecting on government as a, a complex structure that seeks to listen to a, a huge array of views by virtue of the, you know, the people who elect the politicians in the first place. Is it a, in your experience, is it a characteristic of that structure or is it about having great leaders in government? Like, you know, you mentioned Thwaites, like how much of it is to do with the just structure of government Versus how much is it to do with really great leaders within government who can set a vision and can rally people around a common cause? Yeah. I, I think, man, I'm a really big believer in leadership too. Like, and I think we can all be leaders in our own way. It's not a position. But, it, but those in those positions of leadership need to be great leaders. And I look around, you know, in our governments and I want to see more of those incredible leaders that will talk 10, 20, 30 years into the future. So they have that vision. Uh, and I don't see a lot of that, but we do see it in Australia, but we are seeing it around the world. And, you know, a lot of us are looking to New Zealand and other places. Just sometimes politicians who are willing to just speak outside the day, month, year and the politics and into an idea of what might be great for the country, um, I would love to just see more of that. And I think if you had leaders who did that more in our politics, then that might also then lead to change in your structure of government and how you might form um, the government agencies to deliver on that big idea. So I think that the appointment of leaders within agencies is politicised um, and I just think there's tonnes of evidence to, to back that up particularly. I mean, we've uncovered time after time after time how ministerial decisions on the environment are just completely politicised. Um, and so if we, from, from departments, you know, not just from, from the, the politics itself. So if you had that sort of idea, that person who can see beyond the day and beyond the partisanship, and I, there are some politicians in Australia that I really like that I, from both sides or all sides of the aisle that I look to and I go, oh, I love how you think, how you, you're actually thinking about the issue, not about only your party. Um, mm. So, yeah, I, I think actually it's both. And I, 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 you know, people have lost faith in government in Australia. The the evidence is showing 
that very strongly. That's really sad because we need good government to do great things for the public and um, and we need to really build that up. And so that's a real challenge for a group like ACF as well because sometimes, I mean, quite a lot of the time you have to criticise a government for doing something bad, but you don't want to diminish the role of government while you're doing that critique. Yeah. It's a tricky, tricky situation. Yeah, because government, you know, so government, what I'm hearing from you and your experience is that, you know, government largely at the departmental level probably can send good strategy. But if the if that vision is tied to something much broader, much bigger, then it requires a, a more senior level of government or a more senior level of government official to set the, the course and the direction. It seems that that example of Thwaites is one where he was the deputy premier, also the environment and the water minister. He was well-placed to set that forward vision. So in that sense, complexity doesn't play that much of a role. It's more around leadership. Can I ask a slightly yeah. different question? So let's say let's say for example that it isn't about complexity it's just about leadership and getting people together and getting them around a shared vision how do you hold people to that vision how do you make it sticky so that you don't end up drifting or getting mission drift yeah well i think i think you make your vision very compelling for start with so people and easy not not you know we at the start of this we talked about a whole lot of fancy words stuck together in your vision and mission and we're like, mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it needs to be something you can repeat over and over again, maybe using different words, but the same sentiment comes out. Uh, and so that people um, are repeating it so it does become sticky. Um, and so, and then I think you obviously then set up your accountability in your organisation around your vision and your goals. Um, so your your um your accountability mechanisms, KPIs, et cetera, will all be set up around those things. And then people will keep being drawn back to delivering on those. Um, at ACF, we have, as I said, um, we've got it on the wall. And every single conversation that we have at ACF, when we're planning a new campaign or we're planning an, a new element of a campaign, we've always go back to looking at um how does this help us meet our goal and vision? And how does this help build our capacities in our chain, our theory of change? Um, because, again, the other trick is to get change, you can't use 25 different ways to achieve it because you can't build 25 different capabilities in an organisation of ACF which has 80 people. Mm. So you do need to really decide what are your biggest levers that you can pull to create change and then invest in those? Um, and so, yeah, I think that's – so you excite people about it. You keep it really simple, but you make it like – you just make it something that's inspiring people that they can see every day. And as you just said at the start, that we can see out in the world as well. And you celebrate the moments in when, you know, you get a little bit more towards your vision. Um, we do that a lot at ACF and on purpose because – Jeez, it's a bit of a hard slog. If you're thinking about trying to protect, uh, stop climate change or, or stop the climate, the extinction crisis, you know, no single outcome that we achieve is going to solve those. So you do have to celebrate the advances along the way because that gives you energy to keep going. Yeah, yeah. And I think celebrating little successes, you know, that drives a, that drives a really aspirational, productive culture. You know, celebrating the little wins that contribute to the big win um, I do think that peeps, keeps people going. Um, I, I, I think this has been a fascinating conversation. I think um, what I'm 
what I'm certainly taking away is that I think organizations need to be really super clear on their why, you know, why they exist and where they're going. And to your yeah. point, be crystal clear on your how, what is your key theory of change? What is your main driver to achieve that vision? Um, and it's, and it's evident in, even in, in the examples you give that good strategy is more than just defining success and saying, how are you going to get there? It goes to that collective understanding of the want and will to achieve that thing and people wanting to throw their energy and effort at, at this picture of a bigger vision that they can buy into. Final question for me, like if you, if you reflect on the different organisations you've, you've worked in, is this complex arrangement of people and boards and members, is that really a downward pressure on making strategy difficult or is that just a convenient excuse for some that can't drive strategy through complex organisations? Look, it, it's harder. Um, so the mo- the, it feels like in my job the most common answer to a question is no because <laughs> we get a lot of people asking us to do a lot of things. There's a lot of issues from local to national and, you know, we, we can't do it all. We have to know who we are and what we can do and our purpose and how that purpose links down to their local issue and talk to them and explain that to people. So, yeah, I do think it... I think you take the job and the job's hard. So do it and do it well and do it with, you know, intelligence and humility and care for every other person that you're working with. And, you know, I love the West Wing and there was a, there's a line in there, if you just say no with empathy, you'll be okay. Um, <laughs> so I think, I think, you know, if every time I've done strategy in difficult situations, and I suppose that's been in progressive organisations that want to do everything and in government where, you've got the politics overlay, you know, I think one, you keep it very simple because, and it should be a touchstone. So we've talked about that a few times, but if your strategy and your your vision is not your touchstone, then you're never going to be able to bring people together. Yeah. It has to stay high level and agile because planning and predicting strategy is no longer the case in this exponentially changing world so experimentation and adaption but what you must know and this is the third thing is who you are and your why because if you don't know that nothing else is going to work and that's that you keep coming back to that that is your basis uh, and that is what you you look at and touch every day to make sure that your work has impact every day. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's that whole adage of you can do three things well or 10 things badly and knowing yeah. you I will help you do that. <laughs> um, Kel, it has been an absolute pleasure. Um, I think that, you know, what what I, you know, sort of hear is that collective imagining of what you'd like to be and what you'd like the world to be and understanding your role in that and really being honest about reconciling what you can truly do and what you can't will enable you to set a vision and more likely deliver on it. It's been a pleasure. Kel, thanks for your time and for uh, giving us your insights and thoughts. My pleasure. Great chatting to you. To keep up to date with what Kelly and ACF are doing, you can follow her on Twitter at Kelly O'Shaughnessy or go to acf.org.au to learn more about ACF's recover, rebuild and renew strategy. This is Adam Beaumont. Thank you for listening to Conversations with Purpose. Please subscribe and if you'd like more information, please visit my website at withpurpose.consulting. Thanks for listening. Bye.